All righty, the morning just rolling right along. Good morning again, everybody. All right, that's a good crowd this morning. So welcome to our visitors. I didn't say that earlier. Um, there's a communication card in the pew in front of you. If you'd like to contact us or let us know that you were here, or if you, uh, we can do anything for you, please feel free to fill out that card. You can just put it in the box um, on your way out of the sanctuary this morning. And please join us for breakfast downstairs. So, all right, I got a picture for you here. How many of you read this excellent novel um, by a man named Dr. Seuss called Fox in Socks? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. Yeah, all right, so you know where I'm going with this. So um, there's, um, there's a challenge in this book. Um, it features, it's kind of unique in that it features two characters. One is named Mr. Fox, and the other is named Mr. Knox, who converse entirely in complicated rhymes and uh, challenging tongue twisters. Um, several years back, here's where I got this idea. Several years back, there was this uh, sitcom of these aliens that came down to Earth, all right? It's just pretend, okay? These aliens came down to Earth, they look just like humans. And they were trying to figure out, you know, human culture and things like that. And one of the ways they were trying to study human literature was one of the characters, the leader, was reading Fox in Socks. And he read a section of the Twiddle Beetle, the Twiddle Beetle battle that goes like this. <clears throat> what do you know about Twiddle Beetles? Well, when Twiddle Beetles fight, it's called a Twiddle Beetle battle. And Josh, would you want to read this one? And when they battle in a puddle, it's called the Twiddle Beetle Puddle Battle. And when Twiddle Beetles battle with paddles in a puddle, they call it a Twiddle Beetle Puddle Paddle Battle. <laughs> and now from the quip by your head category. And when beetles battle beetles in a puddle paddle battle, and the beetle paddle puddle is in a puddle in a bottle, it's called the Twiddle Beetle Bottle Puddle Battle Battle Muddle. And when beetles fight these battles in a bottle with their paddles and the bottles on a poodle and the poodles eating noodles, they call it a muddle puddle tweedle poodle beetle noodle bottle paddle battle. <laughs> Can't believe I got that. So, all right, so the, the alien reads this and then he's, he pauses dramatically and he goes, the man's a genius right? for writing that. And, you know, clueless to the fact that it's a children's book, but I thought there was a great deal of insight in that statement that the man's a genius. Because the alien is associating genius with something that's very complicated. Um, if it's complicated, it's got to be intellectual. It's kind of how we think, too. And I've noticed that it comes to, uh, we do that. It comes to us when we're reading through the Bible. We try to complicate things. We try to make things more complex. And it's not just us. People with PhDs, theologians, all kinds of people, the Bible commentator writers, they're not happy until, until the most basic and recognizable aspects of the Bible become incredibly complex and virtually, what I would say, unrecognizable. Right? And it's exactly that. We're, we're celebrating Reformation Sunday. It's exactly that kind of complexity and, and distorted view of the Bible that our man of the day had to deal with. Okay, just for the record, our man of the day, we're about to play your favorite game show and mine. Who it is? There it is. I thought I'd give you a, a Reformation Day gift by just saying Martin Luther. Plus, I could put his, his dates up there, too. So, well, once again, welcome to Reformation Sunday. Um, it's been a while since I've broken down kind of the nuts and bolts of who Martin Luther was, and I'd like to do that this morning. Just kind of a reminder of who he is 
in history, not as an academic lesson, but to help us frame his way of thinking and the, the uh, revelations that he came up with in his own mind. Uh, obviously born in 1483. That sounds like a long time ago, and it was. But remember what was going on at that time, or close to that time. I like to just kind of frame what else is going on in history. 1483, but in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean. So that's what's going on in the world, world discovery. We were conquering the world. We were going out to undiscovered places and different things like that. So Luther uh, was the son of a coal miner. His, his dad's name was Hans Luther, born in Saxony. Um, and they actually had a decent amount of wealth, Luther's family. Um, his dad owned several copper mines, um, invested in copper mines. His mom had a very generous um, inheritance. So they were able to provide for their kids. They were able to uh, provide a substantial education for their kids. So at 14, as a matter of fact, Luther left his home to be enrolled in a Latin school where he was classically trained in the trivium, you know, the uh, grammar, rhetoric, and, and logic. Quick sidebar, um, when we're about to recite them, quick sidebar, all 95 theses are posted in Latin on the, on the door. So I thought we would just go around the room. You guys can just read them one at a time. We'll start there with Lori. Do you read Latin, Lori? No? No? None? Okay, we'll skip that part then. We'll just skip a couple pages ahead here. But Latin was, a, was the language of academics, of the academics. And so Luther wasn't really trying to start the Reformation that he ended up starting. What he was really trying to do is point out some ideas and some problems that he saw along the way. He was trying to open up a discussion. He was trying to open up um, some, some dialogue about what was going on there. So all right. So now, um, but that came later on. Uh, at, eight, at age 18, he enrolled in the University of Effort, um, which he described as, um, I'm not sure if I should read this, he described as a beer house and a you-know-what house. Starts with W, rhymes with door house, right? But that's Luther talking right there. At any rate, he received his master's degree in 1505, 1505. Now, his dad wanted him to become a lawyer, and since dad was financing the deal, then that's what Martin had to do. So um, Martin wanted to um, study in further into philosophy and theology is what he really wanted to do. Um, he was influenced by one of his great teachers, von Using, to be suspicious of great thinkers. Kind of think about now how Martin Luther thinks. Um, be suspicious of great thinkers, writers, educators. Um, and I remember the worldview. The worldview was changing at that time. You know, we might think they were a little primitive, but they were people thinking about different things and trying to conquer the world, right? So now July 2nd, 1505, Luther is heading to law school like dad wants him to. He's obeying his dad, and he's riding along on his horse, minding his own business. It's a rainy night, actually a very stormy night. There's thunderstorms going on. And then as Luther says it, God changed his plans for him. Luther said, God changed my plans for me. Have you ever thought that God changed your plans for you? Luther's riding along and lightning strikes a tree next to him off the side of the road and knocks him off the horse he's riding. And being a good, devout Catholic, Luther's a good, devout Catholic, he prays to St. Saint Anne. St. Anne is the patron saint of horseback riders. I had to look it up, right? He promises that if he survives this ordeal, he'll become a monk. He probably figured out by now that he survived that ordeal, and true to his word, he quit law school, became an Augustinian monk. His father was furious, saying it was the, a complete waste of a brilliant mind. And now Luther dedicated himself. Now remember, he's got a law school mentality. He dedicated himself to the complexity and the complicated process of the life of a monk, right? He embraced that complexity. In fact, if anything, it wasn't complicated enough for him. 
Um, at one point, he said, later on, he said, if you could receive salvation from being a monk, I think I was there. But that's obviously not going to happen, right? He would confess his sins nonstop, often tracking down fellow monks so he could confess something else. One of his senior advisors said, you know, Martin, if you're going to confess so much and so often, could you do something interesting that you could confess about so we keep us all going? But remember, he was trained in law studies, right, to be a lawyer. As, and as a result, he was constantly aware of God's laws. And through his experience as a monk, he was faced with the fact that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And that's when the complexity of the entire system kicked in for Luther. Now fast forward a bit to 1515. Luther became a professor at Wittenberg after he graduated. He'd completed um, what he called an explanation of the Psalms. So he wrote down the Psalms and wrote kind of a commentary to the Psalms that we still use today, actually. And he was working on one for Romans, right? And it was in the first chapter of Romans that he's, he's reading along with Augustine's works or his writings. And what he was looking at is Romans 1.17. I think we got that up for a slide, Romans 1.17. I've got a couple of different versions for this. I want to show you this first one. It says, the good news tells us, this is what Luther was reading. The, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, I'm going to use a different version here in a second, different English translation in a second. But I, what I want you to get here is, um, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Right? The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Right? So Romans 1.17, now this is a different version. It says, for it is the righteousness of God. I'm sorry, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, this is the part I want you to see here. The righteous man shall live by faith. Right? Augustine explained that this was in reference to how a person without righteousness, we are not righteous, of our own account, could receive the righteousness of Christ. And that's by faith. So Luther started reading this. He started thinking about all those things he was doing as a monk to try to get God's forgiveness, to try to get into God's favor. And now all of a sudden, right here in his face, he's reading that it all is based on faith. It all boils down to faith. All that complexity and all that, all that nonsense, all that complicated parts just kind of flew away for him. And Luther said when he read that, and it, it rang in his head like a gong. He said it was if the doors of heaven swung open and he walked right through. When he understood that it's by faith. Right? And it's that moment that we look at it and say, okay, Luther became a Christian. Then he came, became a follower of Christ. When we put everything on the, at the feet of Christ and say that God, Jesus is the one that forgives us. Kind of like some of the things you were hearing up here, some of those kids were saying. Now, when a person gets saved like that, and maybe you've experienced something like this. I certainly have. When a person gets saved like that, something remarkable happens. The Bible seems to change somehow. The words in the Bible don't change, but it says things to us, and we see things in it that we didn't see before because we weren't looking for them. Luther said this rang in his head like a gong. He knew Romans 1.17, probably could recite it, but only when he really sat down and started looking at it, started understanding it, let God speak to him that somehow the Bible changed. Somehow it changed the message. Luther began to read the Bible differently. The Bible became alive to him, right? And he, more importantly, he began to teach it differently. Began to teach the Bible differently. The church at that time was in the midst of a fundraiser 
in the form of selling what were called indulgences, mostly to raise money to put up some new buildings and support the extravagant lifestyle of the Pope at the time. So the church invented this idea called purgatory. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, purgatory, as they explained it, is a place you went to after you... Well, you know what? It's a made-up thing. Let's not spend time on that, right? It's not a thing. So it's a made-up concept. It's a made-up thing for them to raise money. So the church started getting money out of people to save their loved ones from purgatory, right? So their loved ones could get into heaven. And Luther threw a flag on the plane. He said, this isn't right. We can't do this. And as I said, he started teaching things differently. He started teaching three different aspects of who God is and what God does in our lives. And he started to make a distinction between these three things, right? God's justice, God's mercy, and God's grace. I think we've got a slide for that. And how each of these concepts fit into the kingdom of God. Or into God's kingdom, if you will. God's justice, God's mercy, and God's grace. I have an illustration to help us understand these three ideas. Who will help me out? I think I had a volunteer, Renee, all the way in the back. Look at that. Give her a big round of applause. Renee's coming up. All right. So, Renee, um, this game is kind of a truth or consequences kind of thing. If you get the truth, you get 20 bucks. It's very crisp, too. It's like, you know, and if, if you get it wrong, I'm going to shoot you with this squirt gun. Okay. <laughs> I didn't bring the super soaker today. All right. So the name of the game is very simple. It's actually a very simple game. You should you'll probably be able to do this. It's called Guess the Number in My Head. But I'm going to make it between 1 and 10. So guess the number in my head between 1 and 10. 3. 7. 3, what, like Babe Ruth's number or something? No. Okay, so Consequences. All right, so this, I'm just, I'm only going to shoot her for a demonstration. This is justice. This is getting what you deserve, right? You deserve to be shot. I told you you're going to get shot, right? So you told you to be shot. But there's a second one up there called God's mercy. God's mercy is not getting what you deserve. In fact, you know, Jackson gets what, oh, man. <laughs> not getting what you deserve. That's God's mercy. God's justice is getting soaked. God's mercy is not getting what you deserve. But what we're really talking about is God's grace. God's grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Shoot. <laughs> Give her a big round of applause. Thank you. God's justice. And this is what Luther understood the most when he went into that monastery. That we have to obey God. That we're going to get it wrong. That we're not going to be able, and we've got to somehow do something to avoid God's justice. What he started reading about was God's mercy. Not getting what we deserve. Right? But then, then things started to really click to him for him when he started to understand the grace of God. Right? Getting something that we don't deserve, something that we can't possibly earn. Okay, maybe she could have got the right number, and, you know, maybe she did, but no, I'm just kidding. But I could have said, guess the number between one and a billion. There's no way we're going to get that, right? So, the, again, Luther started to grasp that concept. And when he started to grasp the, grasp the concept of grace, everything changed. 
there's a banner out in the narthex out there that has grace from top to bottom. Sometimes we look at uh, grace as an acronym, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, excuse me. Christ paid the price for us, right, so that we can receive that mercy. And like Luther said, it's as if the gates of heaven swung open and he walked right through. Now, I showed you Romans 1-7 already because that's the verse that Luther talks about the most. I think when we talk about Luther, I don't think that's the verse that we associate with him. The verse that we really associate him, uh, the Bible, or the verse that we mostly think about is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And again, I've got two different versions of this for you. So the first one is, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? In this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast, for grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And that faith is not of your own. That faith is not of your NLT says it a little bit easier. This is the one we give to our teens. God saved you by his grace when you what? Sorry. God saved you by his grace when you what? Believed. believed. And you can't take credit for this, for believing. God gave us the ability Faith is the noun, believe is the verb, right? God gave us the faith to believe. Can't take credit, it's a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Or all the things that Luther was trying to do to make up the difference of his sins, right? Confessing is just one of them. He was crazy of the things he was trying to do, right? And then one day he realized you just cannot do enough. Salvation is not a reward so that we can't boast about it. When you believed, and God says you can't take credit for that, for believing. He gives us the faith to believe so that he can save us. God gives us the faith to believe so that he can save us. And that should be simple enough, right? I'm not messing with you. That should be simple enough. Is that simple enough? God gave us the faith to believe so he could save us. Turn to someone and say, that's simple enough. I'm not sure if you believe it or not, right? Raise your hand if that sounds simple enough. Raise your hand if we should, we should make that more complicated, right? If we think God's saving grace should be complex and complicated, like trying to read the twiddle beetle, right? That's where we put it. Say, it's so impossible. We got a tongue twisters all over the place. Luther said, we hear the message of grace, and we pick it up. Pick up what you're putting down. I get it. God gave us the faith to believe so he could save us. Easy enough. But then we want it complicated. We want to get more in that. We look for something more, something more complicated, something more complex. The only real mystery here is why would God offer his grace to us? Why would God offer his grace to us? So we're going to do this VBS style. Would everybody please stand with me for a second? Who's been with me at VBS? Okay, help me out here. So, repeat after me. After me. Oh, you guys are good at that. I thought we were going to have to have a tutorial on that. All right, do it for again. Repeat after me. After me. God created us to be with him. 
guys sound good. Our sins separate us from God. By God's grace, I am saved. You guys beat me to it. We're going to do it again. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. By God's grace, I am saved. Our relationship with God has now been restored. And the kingdom of grace is at hand. The kingdom of grace is in our midst. The kingdom of grace is at hand. And all God's people said, let's continue to worship through the words of the Apostles' Creed.